The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me. I have with me tonight Hillary Jacobson as my guest. Hillary, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me to your show. I'm honored to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And we know that you have quite a topic. For those of you who might not be familiar, uh, Hillary is the author of Healing Breastfeeding Grief. And Hillary has quite a lot to say about the whole situation you might have found yourself, for example, in a situation where you really, really, really wanted to breastfeed and you really thought you were going to do it and then it didn't really turn out quite the way that you had planned. Uh, So sometimes, Hillary, mothers have initiated breastfeeding and it's more than just what they've done. They've announced to the world that they're going to breastfeed and they've told their, their husbands, their families, their bosses, their colleagues. They might even have bought a breast pump and they assume that all's going to go as planned. But sometimes it really doesn't go as planned. Um, tell us a little bit about that and what you might suggest as a next, a next best plan. Well, first I'd like to just say a little bit about where I'm coming from with my work is that I have actually worked almost exclusively with mothers who have actual physiological problems with breastfeeding either on their side or on their baby's side. So that even though they were really well prepared to breastfeed and they had done everything that you've just said and more, more? <laughs> breastfeeding preparation classes, uh-huh. right? visited their local electoral league meetings perhaps, um, connected. You know, they may even have been aware of potential problems. Um, And yet, with all of their effort, it still didn't work out. And yes, some are going to um, experience, um, naively encounter experiences that they weren't prepared for and never heard of. And that's very sad when that happens. But the mothers that I actually work with mostly, because this is actually my own story too, um, I was a mother who had chronic low milk supply in the 1980s. I also experienced profound breastfeeding grief. And so these were the two experiences that really, I would say my own journey of healing um, brought me to work with these mothers and to address these issues that really... um, 
leave these mothers out in the cold. Also, you know, in terms of getting the support that they need for their emotional issues. Um, I have to say that since I began working in with this, this issue, and it really came to um, a kind of like a, a in the year 2000 when the the group Mobi Mothers Overcoming Breastfeeding Issues was formed as a as a Yahoo group, and we were the first group to actually. Um, see a lot of mothers who described their emotional experiences, breastfeeding grief, and who described, um, you know, we kind of all work together to understand issues that today are much better understood as far as um, structural issues on the baby's side or hormonal issues on the mother's side. But at that time, nothing at all was known about it, and and mothers were suffering profoundly um, with the emotional side of it, actually. And so that's, that's where I'm coming from. However, I can say that the lessons that we learned together in this very um, kind of focus group can be generally, um, you know, kind of like generalized and applied out into the, the larger uh, group of breastfeeding mothers who suddenly find themselves not having been able to reach their breastfeeding goals for, and I mean, there's such a large range of reasons that that can happen, right? Sure. Oh, sure. So what, but what we don't talk about with mothers as they're preparing to breastfeed is what is your plan B? What if breastfeeding doesn't work out? How are you going to meet your goals um, of bonding and supporting your baby's immune system and um, you know, supporting your baby's muscular development, your baby's IQ development? You know, what, what is your plan B? So that when mothers then don't succeed at breastfeeding, often they fall into a hole. Um, they just don't. It's kind of like they fall into a, a, a zone of like, there's no signposts out of here. Nothing to show me how to. <laughs> no how GPS. To, yeah, no GPS, right. No story, no, no guidance. So um, my book, Healing Breastfeeding Grief, is about the emotional side of it, but also what you can do to cultivate all those things that you actually were looking forward to and were hoping to develop and cultivate in the breastfeeding experience. Hillary, as I hear you talking, I'm thinking that your experience, your experience has not been with just one or two mothers. You've had, I, I assume, dozens of women who have expressed this emotional grief that they were unable, for, for whatever reason, and by the way, let me say, sometimes they've been told that they can't breastfeed. Um, it's, it sounds to me like you have interacted with many mothers along these lines. Well, yes. I, I became my focus group early on. Um, through my own experience, I was curious. You know, actually... I had the low milk supply, and um, I was living overseas in Switzerland. And um, in Europe, there's a tradition of foods and herbs that supports milk supply. And I began to to bump into mothers and to specialists who knew about this, and I began to research this. And um, it kind of became my goal in life to offer, um, you know, mothers information and support that's kind of like out of the spectrum of them out of the sites of the mainstream, but which is actually so helpful. So my focus group immediately, like I became a holistic lactation consultant in Switzerland in a school that had just opened up for that. And um, immediately I was calling in the mothers who were having 
these extra problems. And then when we formed the group Moby, we had hundreds of mothers come through. Oh, my. Oh, my. That's right. Absolutely. Very, very uh, kind of inundated and into immersed, I guess, immersion in this area. Mm-hmm. Hillary, how do you walk the fine line between helping a woman to choose another plan and helping to support her with her breastfeeding where she's at right now? Uh, in my own practice, um, a, a lot of mothers contact me, you know, asking first for the dietary and herbal support. Um, so I first offer them that and I direct them towards whatever resources um, I can uh, to get the answers that they need so that hopefully their breastfeeding will work out. And um, so that's my, my first line. And then, and then I offer... Um, the other information as well and of course I, I'm a hypnotherapist and I also offer these mothers hypnotherapy if they would like and very many of them do choose to um, have a couple hypnotherapy sessions. So, but, but what you're talking about, I have to say this has been the fine line all the way back. I mean this is not new, right? Um, all the way back to Moby, no. we, had, we had this issue uh, with all the mothers who were coming through and they, they were desperate to succeed at breastfeeding and, you know, mothers can get so focused on that that they don't see the other, the other possibilities. Um, I always find it difficult. I, I sometimes realize that some people, uh, breastfeeding just isn't going to work out for one reason or another. Uh, but I find it difficult to decide where exactly I want to say, look it, you know, it's okay. It's okay to do something else because I always feel like I don't want them to think that I'm uh, not in their corner, so to speak, for breastfeeding. Right, right. I, I, under, I hear you. Well, let me put it like this. Um, hmm. I, I, think I actually, no, 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 let me go on. I see the plan B, actually. I see, I see um, that we should be emphasizing to mothers in the, in the, during pregnancy, actually. I, I'm, I'm framing it now as a plan B, but actually I think it's all a plan A. Mothers, <laughs> should, be, <laughs> mothers should be learning that they can connect uh, with their baby um, through other, like, through their presence, through mindfulness, through breathing, uh, through visualizations, through, through uh, massage, um, through co-sleeping, through just coming into a peaceful state in themselves, and then their baby will also, you know, the mirror neurons in the baby that's always reflecting how, what your state is, your baby will entrain to your state. So, like, um, I actually think that there should be some training for this during pregnancy, and that breastfeeding can be seen as like, sure, it's, it's, like, it's like the queen. It's like the queen of all the, the methods. But actually, it should all be one bundle. And so if you talk about like, how do you point them to the plan B, I wish that all of these things were being promoted from day one, actually, as they are in other traditions, like in India, where all mothers massage their babies, you know, from birth. Oh, uh-huh. <clears throat> Uh, but you're you're asking me something else too, and that goes into um, uh, another question. I think what we have to do is we have to just 
you know, my, my book is called Healing Breastfeeding Grief. So I'm really looking at the grief part of it, okay? Um, and um, I think that we can, you know, we can find a way to talk about that because I, I think that's really a good place to be headed towards in this, this interview, if that's okay. Let's talk about those emotions on the other side of the break. In the meanwhile, I would like to thank our sponsor, Mamava, that is M-A-M-A-V-A dot com, a modular suite offering nursing mothers a clean, safe, and beautifully designed space to pump or nurse when they are away from home or work. Visit Mamava today. In the meanwhile, remember... I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with my guest, Hillary Jacobson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, Come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I'm here today with Hillary uh, Jacobson. And she's here to talk with us about breastfeeding grief. Hillary, I suppose that for one reason or another, we we recognize that mothers who have stopped breastfeeding sooner than they'd planned, for, for whatever that reason, can have a number of uh, very charged feelings. Help us to know what does that look like? What would those feelings be and, and how should we recognize them? Um, yes, so a mother can feel a whole combination of feelings. Sometimes a mother will just describe her feelings as profound sadness. But it can escalate into feelings of loss and grief, distress, anxiety and failure. I mean, it goes on. The list goes on. I ask mothers, please give me a list of your, you know, of your experiences. And this is the short list of, you know, helplessness, loss of confidence, self-hatred, self-blame. And finally, leading into feelings of devastation. And I'd like to point out that mothers can feel this even if they haven't completely stopped breastfeeding. For instance, mothers who are exclusively pumping, mothers who are supplementing at breast. Uh You know, um, it didn't go as planned. It just didn't go as planned. That's right. Even if it's going, it didn't go as planned. Yeah, there's something about that perfect breastfeeding relationship that you know, we have, um, we have internalized that as representative of the best bonding. And so any breastfeeding challenges challenge your mother's sense of successful bonding and just success as a mother on a very deep level. It's below the conscious mind. Um, it's really attacking the, the, you know, the primal parts of the brain so that some mothers actually feel that their baby is going to die. And I have a client who was talking about this to me recently. She said, I would talk to all my health experts. And I told them, um, I'm just so afraid that my baby's going to die. Oh, wow. and, and, right. And they would say, no, no, um, you know, formula is safe, etc." And it was only when she was reading my book and I, I, I summarized a very brief study that was done by some evolutionary psychologists about they theorize that when a mother doesn't succeed at breastfeeding, a part of her brain, like the really primitive part, you know, that's thousands of years old, thinks that she may actually have lost her baby. Because otherwise, why would she be breastfeeding her baby? And so many mothers actually have this, this, this sense of mourning that's completely out of proportion to, to the experience, and they may know that rationally, but they just can't turn off that feeling. It's not something you just switch on and off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I hear you talking, I'm thinking that's somewhat similar to what I have often heard with women who have had cesarean sections, that they feel that even though, yes, they've had the baby, they have a baby, they have a healthy baby, all those things, it didn't go the way that they had planned, and they feel, I, I've certainly had women tell me that they feel like they failed because they didn't have a normal, spontaneous birth. And you're saying the same thing, that it's, it's sort of that feeling of, of self-blame or like they didn't do, I, I, I've definitely heard people tell me, I didn't do it right. Yes. They, they're looking for the answers, and very often, if they don't get, you know, the very often there actually are reasons. It can be something as simple as 
um, they had a baby on Friday night, and there was no lactation consultant in the in the in the clinic, and they weren't able to resolve problems early enough, and they escalated. And you know, it's like it can be something very simple um, and something very complicated. But when mothers don't get reasons for what they're going through, they start to blame themselves. What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me psychologically that my body is not doing what it should? And um, because we also now tell fathers that breastfeeding is best for a baby, mothers feel like they've not only let themselves down and their baby down, but they've let their whole family down. It's a big yeah, burden. They weren't there. able to, to be a good enough woman. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Tell us a little bit, Hillary, about women who do or do not express this grief. How does that work? Yes. Um, uh, you know, a lot of us have problems talking about, you know, our, our, our problematic emotions. But mothers who are going through this experience often say that when they reach out for help, um, their observations and feelings are trivialized. Oh, dear. Or that, right. Or that they feel shamed. Um, and this adds to feelings of isolation and even abandonment. And so they, they stop talking and they stop reaching out for help because it's just too painful. Yeah, you know, I have noticed that sometimes mothers will preface their remarks with, well, I know you wouldn't approve, but I gave him a bottle. I know I wasn't supposed to whatever, whatever, but I did whatever. And I can almost feel like they're in this guarded position of not really wanting to tell me what happened. And so it's fairly easy for me to make the leap of here they've told me that they're afraid they will be, I don't know, judged or ridiculed or something. It's not far to get from there to uh, wondering if the woman feels trivialized uh, or, or, you know, I hear this a lot. Oh, honey, don't worry. All babies can breastfeed. It'll all work out. And you're thinking, well, that's not really very helpful to the person for whom it's not working out right now. Right. And, and for whatever reason. Exactly. Um, and, and we know now, isn't it exciting that we know that um, breastfeeding grief, I just call it breastfeeding grief, um, can be called many things, but that it actually does put mothers at risk for postpartum depression because of that wonderful British study from 2014, you know, that looked at like 10,000, more than 10,000 mothers, and they found out that mothers who wanted to breastfeed but were unable to do so, they were at twice the risk for postpartum depression than mothers who actually succeeded at breastfeeding or mothers who always planned to formula feed. And just to, to take that a step further, just consider how many of those mothers who were then diagnosed for postpartum depression, how many of those mothers were actually experiencing breastfeeding grief, which is not quite postpartum depression. I say that having gone through both. Now, Hillary, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, if you're not breastfeeding, you don't have the hormones associated with breastfeeding. So mm -hmm. in my nurse brain, what I'm thinking is, okay, breastfeeding is normal, and the hormones associated with breastfeeding would be normal. So it seems to make sense to me that this postpartum depression 
would therefore be like that makes sense to me. The part that I'm not quite sure if I understand what you're saying, I think I'm mostly there. You're telling me that that also happened, though, with women who planned to formula feed, yes? No. Women who no. Plan- no. Women who, okay. so, say it again. The mothers who planned to breastfeed but were not successful um, were at twice the risk for postpartum, postpartum depression. Depression, okay. Right. And this is true even if they never experienced depression in their life before. You know, because we say people who have a past history of depression are sort of more predisposed absolutely. to it again. Oh, but absolutely, yes. Was, yeah, but the interesting thing is this was actually true even for mothers who did not have a past history of depression. So uh, this was, I mean, this, they compared these mothers to mothers who succeeded at breastfeeding or mothers who had planned to formula feed from the get-go. Okay? Is that clear now? Yes. 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 So it is actually, I do believe that if you look forward to breastfeeding and a part of your mind, I compare this actually to the loss, not the loss of a spouse exactly, but you know, we talk about um, grieving if there's disloyalty in a relationship. If you Ah. know. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Because in your mind, you have this image of your relationship, right? And then you get con- a contrast to the reality of it, which really shakes you up. And it's also a kind of a grieving process that you go through. And I think in a very similar way, women hold as an image their relationship with their baby. And they have lots of images of what that's going to look like. And when it doesn't look like that, they are grieving for the loss of that relationship that they thought they were going to have. Hillary, yeah. I guess I want to take a step back. I'm wondering if it has to do with their self-image. If I envision myself as a breastfeeding mother or I envision myself as a college student or I envision myself as slender and sexy, and then if I'm not those things, you know, if that's really not the way it pans out, then do I feel worse about myself and is that part of that depression thing? I, I realize, sure probably, yeah. I realize you probably don't have any science for that, but it just occurs to me that as we talk about our relationship with another person, be that an adult or a baby, and when that doesn't work out the way we want, yeah, I I would definitely say that that interrelationship and and our understanding of ourselves becomes different. But there's this other part of me where I'm thinking, if I were really envisioning myself as whatever, a breastfeeding mother, a college student, a slender, sexy woman, whatever, and if I'm 70 pounds overweight or I flunk out of college or I whatever, then it seems to me that that makes me much less confident and uh, probably less able to kind of go forward with my life. And so I'm giving myself a lot of of negative messages, certainly. Wow, this is so interesting. And for those of you who are listening, uh, I'm talking with Hillary Jacobson. We are going to go to a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about prevention and we're going to talk about healing. So don't go away. I will be right back with Hillary Jacobson right after this short break. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host today for, actually, I'm your host every day for, for, or at least every Monday for uh, Born to be Breastfed. Today, I'm here with Hillary Jacobson, and Hillary is talking with us about breastfeeding grief, that is, when breastfeeding doesn't go as planned. Hillary, let's, we've, we've talked a little bit about what this grief looks like, what women are feeling inside, what they express or maybe what they don't express, and how they've been perhaps treated or reacted to when they do or do not express those feelings. So let's move on to talk a little bit about healing. Okay. How, how would you describe the main steps that are involved in the healing process for a woman for whom breastfeeding just didn't go as planned? Well, first of all, to go back to what you were saying before in the beginning is really get that expert advice and those explanations if you haven't already done so. So you mothers want to know what happened. As yeah. part of the healing process is actually that big word, why. And um, along with that, find compassionate mothers groups who specialize in your issue because there are so many mothers groups now online. You have them for women who expressly pump or for women with breastfeeding uh, whose babies have food allergies or um, GERD uh, reflux or mothers who have insufficient glandular tissue, mothers with DER, uh, with a DMER letdown problem. So we have so many mothers groups now that specialize. And whatever it is that you're going through, you'll probably find a group of mothers who have been in your shoes and they'll be able to give you the understanding and that that moment of compassion that you need. Um, I'm not alone. This is not just happening to me. That's so important on the healing journey. Hillary, do you think that mothers think that... uh uh, I don't know, let's take allergies or whatever, but do you think that they think 
they're the only one in that boat. Oh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. But it's still a very lonely place to be in. Yes. Yeah. And, And part of the reason I ask that is when I talk with a woman who is nursing a newborn and, oh, by the way, she's also nursing a toddler... Mm-hmm. I'm astonished at how many women do not tell me that they're nursing a toddler. And I'm a nurse, and I'm in this business. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me wonder, do they think that they're the only, it, obviously, they're on the other end of the spectrum. They're the ones for whom breastfeeding has gone extremely well. But they're not always eager to tell me that. And I, I think they think that I, I've never heard that before. And, of course, obviously I have. So that's why I was wondering if these, these feelings of isolation are that maybe people think it doesn't happen to other people. But pretty much, w- would you say that pretty much anything that you've seen along the lines of, of why this breastfeeding grief is, uh, somebody else has gone through it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it is very sad that these pr- problems are so common and, and yet so many mothers do go through a phase of feeling like they're alone with this. Now, that happened to me too, but that was in the mid-1980s. <laughs> That's not today. So it's very sad if um, mothers today um, actually are not aware of possibilities for supportive community. Hillary, I want to pick up on what you said about the explanation. I was very fascinated when you said that because I've seen in hospitals some really bizarre things happen. And I have trouble after my shift going home and putting my head on the pillow and going to sleep because, of course, it's replaying in my head. And I've always found that I just want an explanation. I want to know why. And I always feel kind of restless, kind of uneasy. And when I know why, it doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make it different. It doesn't It doesn't really change all that much. But it gives me some sense of closure. Would you agree that that's true for women who are having breastfeeding grief? That with, with some explanation, there's at least some degree of closure. Yes, absolutely. And I have to say that I have not met a, a woman yet who did not want to know why. And uh-huh. I'm not saying that um, somebody said, oh, you should really, you know, figure out this out. It comes, it's an inner drive. Yeah. And it gives closure and it re- removes blame. And yes. it gives back also a sense of self-control because if you know what happened, mm. then you can possibly prevent it from happening next time or you can be prepared so that you um, you reduce the symptoms or the problems um, next time. So, Hillary, I totally love that. Yeah, it, that, that it gives it gives. You're so right. When we feel like there's some sort of explanation, and by the way, I don't even necessarily think it has to be exact. But if we have some sort of explanation, we feel a little more like we're in control. Yes, and um, and that's also. Um, I want to talk about the healing is actually part of the healing process when you have that explanation the thinking part of your brain can can address the emotions and the emotions lose some of their power in a very natural way it's not suppressing the emotions it's not Mm. blocking them it's really it's like the emotional part of us settles down that's just the way that we work when we have an explanation yeah 
Yes. That it's... Uh, but I'd like to say something else. I'm sorry, going back to something else that you mentioned before. You're mm-hmm. standing in front of that mother, and she's having problems, and maybe you don't have an explanation. I think it's really important at that moment to say, you know, we just don't know everything yet. Sure. Sure. Because that, well, that and sometimes keeps... we know later. Yes, exactly. We know so much more today than we knew 20 years ago, but you know what? We don't know everything. I'm so sorry that you're going through this and, you know, letting your mo- that mom feel your compassion. We don't know everything yet. Stay in touch. You know, join the mother's groups. I, what I also love about the mother's groups is that they are often on the cutting edge of research because that's all they're doing is looking for the answers and gathering the research and this, um, putting, you know, putting the, the lines between the dots, as it were. Mm-hmm. So... Hillary, what about prevention? Help us with that. Well, um, there are, I I believe that I have found in my uh, treatment with hypnotherapy with moms that the core of the grief is the, the sense that they have lost that inner connection to their baby, that they were looking at breastfeeding as being that one and only chance to establish that deeply and securely connected bond. And so when they lose that, they think they have actually permanently injured their relationship to their baby and they've just let their baby down. Okay. So what I have found in talking to people who do work like hypnobirthing or there's a calm birth meditation, mm-hmm. which is more like um, breath work, connecting with your baby oh. through breath work or, or prenatal yoga, if you integrate bonding um, exercises as it were into these these proto- these these programs so that mothers are breathing and they're connecting to their baby they're feeling their baby they're sending their they're feeling their the love of their heart and sending that love to their baby in these programs what you have is a mother who's prepared to go through any kind of birth and any kind of breastfeeding situation knowing that they have that deep bond with their baby when they're deeply present Mm-hmm. Hillary, I have to ask, I am a big believer in hypnosis, and I have had a couple of hypnotherapists, maybe more than a couple on this show, but I know that there are people out there who are probably listening to you and saying, connect with your baby through breathing, you know, well, what's that all about? Can you help us to better understand that? Well... There's, you're, you're sort of asking two questions now. One pertains okay. to hypnosis and one, one pertains to breath work. Let's do the breath work first. There's um, different forms. You know, when we talk about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a quick jump somewhere and then come back. When you talk about um, healing trauma and grief and trauma do have a connection. Everybody who's anybody today talking about trauma resolution will say at the base of everything is mindfulness. Oh, uh-huh. And with breath work, you become present. So that means coming into the here and the now, all of you, bringing yourself into the here and the now, being with what is, um, sensing it, feeling it, allowing it to develop, recognizing it, naming it. Again, that's being able to say, what is it? Why is it? That's like within yourself. That's the same kind of research that we want on the outside, but within ourselves. Um, and with your breath work, you come into the present moment. But you can also sense like some sort of a fine energy. 
And it doesn't matter if that's an imagined energy or if that's a real energy. That's like that's irrelevant to this discussion. Sure. But, mm-hmm. but the brain takes that in as a real energy. And um, for instance, the calm birth meditation, they actually inhale that sense of energy into the womb and surround the baby. And they inhale that energy into their heart. Um, and so they build this heart-to-baby connection. And I believe that, um, I mean, I've heard from people who've done the, the calm birth meditation that it's so helpful after birth. Also, any kind of um, hypnosis that does prenatal bonding in the womb where you go into a deep state and you connect with your baby, perhaps even like imagine yourself in your womb with your baby or connect. I want to use that, that um, new age word that connect energetically with your baby, that just that deep sense of your baby's presence and your awareness of your baby being so aware of you um, is just a, a, a beautiful foundation for preventative work for uh, any kind of grief, trauma, or, or depression after birth. Yeah. And there, guess, mm. as I'm hearing you talking, I'm thinking... We probably need to help all women to, quote, connect with their baby by one means or another while that baby is still in utero. Absolutely. That's uh-huh. my conviction. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, and, and yeah. For those people who are sitting there uh, maybe a little bit befuddled by the discussion of energy, I usually remind people that all living things, all living humans, all living plants, uh, have energy, take in energy and give out energy and burn energy. That's just, that's the, if, if we don't have energy, basically we're not alive. So, uh, you know, it seems to me like what you're suggesting here is that we really maximize the use of that energy in a way that helps us to connect to our baby. Yes, yes. And I have only uh, recently... Um, looked at studies, you know, showing that mothers who do relaxation exercises during um, pregnancy have fewer um, emergency cesarean sections, for instance. So um, there's more studies that are being done now and that are planned uh, that show how just that connection, even after birth, like um, if a baby is in the NICU, um, how, how... fostering that connection to the baby can help the baby grow in so many ways that we usually associate with, you know, an optimal birth and with breastfeeding. So, no, no argument there. Uh, right. We, so we need to take a break, but okay. uh, when we come back, we will follow up with this discussion. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with my guest, Hilary Jacobson. We'll be right back after this short break. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Hilary Jacobson, who is author of Healing Breastfeeding Grief. Hilary, we've talked a little bit about how the whole discussion of breastfeeding grief is kind of taboo. And I'm thinking, you know, it's really okay to talk about if you've lost your spouse or you've lost your dog or you've lost some, uh, you know, experience for yourself. But it's kind of not okay to talk about your hoped-for breastfeeding experience that didn't go the way you'd planned. Um, Why do you think that's kind of taboo when you can talk about other things you've lost? I think really it's because nobody's done it yet. That's the simple answer. Okay. Because, mm-hmm, I don't think there's a, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are, you know, deeper, you know, explanations for that, like society isn't, in some sense, our society is not able to comprehend the deep, the deep meaning of the mother-baby bond. And um, so our society is not able to um, tell that story of what it feels like when we, when we fear that we've lost that. However, I think mostly it's just that we haven't ever talked about it before. Like think about postpartum depression 40 years ago, 30, 20 years ago. It wasn't really until Princess Diana, I think it was in the late 80s, um, started talking about postpartum depression that, you know, she sort of 
she broke the taboo. And I think as soon as we have a celebrity or two come out and talk about breastfeeding grief, then suddenly it will be something we can talk about. And that will be a huge gain for mothers because it will break that isolation, that sense of abandonment that so many mothers experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, too, about uh, Marie Osmond, who had an extreme postpartum depression and wrote a book about it. You know, I'm also thinking that healthcare professionals very often think that breastfeeding is just about food. And so, eh, breastfeeding, formula feeding, whatever, it's all pretty much the same. And when you give that message, then it seems like you're not entitled to your own feelings about how you felt when breastfeeding didn't go as planned. Absolutely. So, Hillary, how about this? Um I'm a nurse. I know that there are other nurses who are listening. There are also physicians and lactation consultants and multiple other professionals. What kinds of things should the professionals be listening for or helping with that you think maybe we're not doing such a good job at right now? Well, one thing is differentiating breastfeeding grief from postpartum depression because I think a lot of women are being diagnosed for postpartum depression and that that's a lost opportunity for these mothers because what we found uh, through our online work was that as soon as the mother had the answer to why, okay, she knows what her issues are and perhaps she also gets a strategy for how to go forward even with only partial breastfeeding or if she can't breastfeed, she has a community of mothers that she still feels she's part of. As soon as these mothers get these, you know, they get like a community and they they have answers and they can integrate and it's like they know what they're dealing with, a lot of them start to, like their feelings start to lighten. And these mothers would have, you know, been put on medication for postpartum depression. And I think that, you know, it's really important to, to make doctors, nurses aware, you know, to be able to differentiate between the two. And if you think a mother's suffering from postpartum grief, to direct her to resources where she can get help. Okay, so that's one thing. And the other thing is, uh, I think it's really important for healthcare professionals to recognize that they are in a unique situation because they are the first person who can actually give that mother what I call that pivotal moment of understanding where that healthcare professional just sort of settles down into their body and goes into their non-judgmental part of themselves and just looks at that mother and sees the goodness and the good intentions of that mother and just can say... I hear you, I see you, I see how you're struggling, you know, that, that mirroring back to the mother, I see how you're feeling, um, you know, just that moment of compassion, because that helps a mother so much um, to, to begin her own healing journey. It's like a point of, of transition for her on her journey, because if she feels understood, if she feels somebody's looking at me with compassion, they're seeing my goodness, they're seeing my best intentions, I'm not feeling shamed or blamed, I don't have to be defensive, then they can start to settle into themselves and start to start their own healing processes. Yes, and I'd just like to add here, I think that we often have been given we give mothers such a strong message that it has to be exclusive breastfeeding, exclusive breastfeeding, exclusive breast. And I do that myself. But um, I hope that I have the good sense to uh, sometimes uh, for one reason or another, mother is supplementing. And I I usually say to her, you know what? Some breastfeeding is better than no breastfeeding. Mm. And I think that there are some professionals who are a little less eager to say that. Now, do I wish they would do exclusive breastfeeding? Yes. But sometimes they don't, and I'm, I still stand by 
some breastfeeding is better than no breastfeeding. Hillary, tell us a little bit more about how we can find you. How can we find your book? How can we find your website? How can we find the groups that participate in this healing process? Tell us a little bit about the connection here. Well, I have two groups on Facebook. However, they are only open to people who've actually read my books so that uh-huh. we have that all moms have a foundation, you know, of uh, through which we can discuss. Um, okay. One of them is called a Healing Breastfeeding Grief and the other is a Mother Food uh, Facebook for, for the foods and the herbs. Um, then I have uh, a website, mother-food.com, where I, I talk about my, um, my work with the book Mother Food. And then I have uh, a website, healingbreastfeedinggrief.com, where actually, see, this is my, this is the plan that I'm unfolding. I have about a half dozen now hypnotherapists who I am going to be working with, giving some basic support in um, <clears throat> processes of healing breastfeeding grief. And I hope to list them so that mothers can find more resources through my website. Um, so there's that, that, that website is not yet online. But, um, I mean, it, you can sign up for it, but it's being developed right now. And my book, Healing Breastfeeding Grief, will be available on Amazon on April 1st. April Fool's Day it wasn't meant that way, but... <laughs> <laughs> it just turned out that way. April 1st. Well, I'm sure that all of our listeners will be interested in at least exploring or being able to uh, point their friends towards your new book coming out April 1st. That would be Healing Breastfeeding. It will be available on Amazon.com. I've been here today with... Hillary Jacobson. Hillary, I'd like to thank you so much uh, for being my guest today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I would like to thank all of you for joining us, but as you know, this time always goes way, way, way too fast. And I would like to thank all of you for joining Hillary, for joining me. And I would like to invite all of you to come back next week and If you're interested in books or other media that was mentioned on this show or even on previous shows, be sure to visit my Amazon.com store. Now, how do you do that? Well, just visit Born to be Breastfed and you'll see how you can click through. That's borntobebreastfed.com for books and media for my blog or whatever you happen to want. Uh, There's more there, certainly. Uh, And we would also like to invite you to visit our Facebook page and maybe you can like us while we're there. If you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. My courses have tons of resources and my blog and much more are on my professional website. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'll repeat it breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do what's best for you and your baby.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.